welcome to a new episode of the Rebel Radio Podcast, and um, this is Mark. This is Matt, and um, yeah, man, um, it's it's uh, I don't know, man. This week went by kind of fast. It feels like we just did a show, and now we're doing another show. And um, I feel like that too. But did we record Saturday? Is that why? I no, can't no. This that was the previous week. We were we recorded. Uh, no, that was the week we recorded Sunday. We recorded Friday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's like maybe that's what it was, but maybe, but I guess it's also been kind of a, I don't know, not really a busy week. I guess it just went by faster than expected yeah, the week moved, after a holiday. You know. Yeah. yeah. But um, but no, that's okay. I'm glad to be here. Glad to record and bring a new episode to the peoples of the across the world. You know, we have people that have listened to us in Canada. We've had people listen to us like in uh india i mean you know so yeah. we, have, we have fans everywhere even if it's only 40 people <laughs> so we still have 40 fans spread across the world yeah there's one person in austria and oh yeah i think it's like arnold's brother or something it, yeah it could yeah. be it could be arnold's could be. brother you know um arnold does he has a podcast who doesn't he i think i want to i think it's tied to. to his i think it's tied to his pump newsletter i think he does have like a podcast I think so. So, I mean, who doesn't have a podcast? Everyone, yeah, dude. I mean, everyone. There was a Ron Burgundy Pat podcast. Yeah, I remember Will Ferrell was doing that for a while. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if he's still doing it, but it's, it's he was. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You just you just have one. Yeah. Everyone wants I mean, to be Kevin Smith, man. Yeah, or or, or what's the um? I can't think of his name. The other famous dude. Rogan, yeah. Oh yeah, Rogan. Yep. Yeah. And um, but you know it's, it's okay. I mean, you know, I'm cool with. It. I I 100 support anybody who wants to do a podcast. Go for it, man. If you're thinking about doing it and you're like, ah, I'm on the fence about it. everybody's got a pack podcast. Fuck that. Who cares? Yeah. You know, you want to give yourself a voice. And you want to talk about something. Go do it, man. Yeah. Do your thing. You know? It could be a good outlet yeah. for you. Yeah. You know? There's that's. I mean, there's. We know we're not getting thousands of listeners and we're not famous, but this is an outlet for us exactly what it is. And we enjoy doing it. And I mean, here we are almost 400 episodes and I mean, heck with our special episodes we did in the star Wars podcast, we're close to 400. I mean, you know, so yeah, and we're going on almost 10 years and, and, um, and we've got plenty to say still. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, is there an end to it one day and maybe there is, but I mean, we, Man, every time we think it, we're, we're slowing down, there's plenty of movies we haven't done, plenty to talk about. And and uh, as long as we have that drive and enjoy it, I can see us going another possibly 400. Who knows? I mean, you know, yeah. I don't think it'll take us 10 years to get to 400 this time because no, those early years we were doing maybe an episode a month here and there. So it was a little bit different. Yeah, that one it was just, uh, yeah, that we didn't have the schedule down like yeah. we do now. We're very, we're, very we're more consistent now. now, which is crazy that we're yeah. more organized now because our lives are more chaotic now with kids and stuff. But yeah, you learn to control it, how that works out. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, you learn, you learn to deal with it. Once you, you got all kinds of stuff going on, you're just like, all right, it's just one more thing. Yeah, that's it, yeah. man. But, uh, but man, I had a productive week actually, um, watched a few things. Uh, cool. You know, I um, I've I've watched uh, I comp- well, I had I had started when I said I started I, a couple weeks ago. I'd only watched like the first twenty minutes, but I finished uh, David Fincher's The Killer. Um, man, you know, I didn't hate it. Um, it's not like Gone Girl hate or anything. I, I didn't love it either. I'm kind of in the middle on it. Uh, my thing with Fincher is I feel his best movies are behind him. All his best stuff was early in his career. 
Mm-hmm. And now he's just kind of making movies for not, I wouldn't say he's making movies for a paycheck. Cause I do think he has a passion and he cares, but I just think he's not as good as he used to be. If that makes sense. Uh, the best part about the killer is David is Michael Fassbender. He's, he's great in it. Um, the first hour is it's a drag, man. I'm like, is anything going to happen in this fucking movie? And then in the second hour, it, it essentially becomes a revenge flick. Um, okay. where he, goes out for revenge on the people that set him up. Um, and there's some cool moments. Uh, the ending didn't quite land for me. I was a little disappointed with the way it ended. Um, but it's not the best venture, but not the worst venture. Like I said, I like it better than Gone Girl. Um, but it's still not Seven, Fight Club, The Game, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's not those levels you know, David Fincher. So it's more middle, middle of the road. Okay. Um, so, you know, uh, I think it's hard worth to beat a watch. those films. Yeah. I, I think it's worth a watch. I mean, um, you know, if you're looking for something to watch, I, I'd sit down and give it a watch. I mean, you know, it's got a and good performance. I mean, you're paying for Netflix anyways. Might as well watch it, you know? Um, yeah. Might as well watch some new shit on it versus like yeah. releases, you know? And uh, it's got some cool moments. There's a really good fight in the middle of the movie or yeah, kind of in the middle. That's pretty cool where he fights this big old Samoan dude. And, um, but, it, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, um, I just was hoping for better, I guess, but I, I didn't hate it. Um, I think people were maybe expecting it to be like the mind of this killer type deal, you know, mm-hmm. but it's more about just an assassin who's kind of going for revenge after he's set up, you know, and that's kind of what it becomes. Uh, but not bad, not bad. Um, I uh, I watched this this afternoon actually. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's Bye Bye Barry, which is a documentary about Barry Sanders and why he retired. Yeah, um, really well done. And uh, you know, it talks the good interviews with Barry and coaches and people that played with him. And uh, you know, for people that don't know, you know, Barry Sanders is one of the greatest running backs that ever played the game. And he he called it quit after ten years, and people were just shocked. He didn't tell anybody why. He didn't even have a fancy press conference. He's just like, I'm done. And, uh, you know, he was 1,500 yards away from breaking Walton Payton's rushing record, which he would have easily gotten, barring no injury. Yeah. Uh, people believed he could have played another five or six years. He was only 31 years old. and uh, But he just decided I was done. And uh, the documentary goes into that a bit and how he just uh, – the drive wasn't there for him. It was quite that simple. He just, you know, he, he – he talked a little bit about it's. He says just too easy to blame the losing in Detroit. That's I'm not going to do that. It's not fair to the people of Detroit and the yeah. owners and stuff. He goes, I just didn't have the drive. You know that was. Basically it was the like reason. the only reason they would go. You know to watch football on Sundays. Yeah, really. I mean, he was yeah. the offense. People were pissed off at him that he left that way. Way he did it, but you know, uh, I think he people understood after a while. You know, they, they understood. You know, he, and he of course went to the Hall of Fame and. And uh, is one of the best that ever lived. You know, he's still a lot of uh, top five uh, stats and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys like him and Emmett Smith, uh, you know, we'll probably never see him again. It's just like in baseball. You know, you're not going to get pitchers that are going to throw 250 innings anymore. You know, Dude, yeah, and you're not going to get running. Ryan, back. Yeah, you're not going to get running 108 backs. miles an hour. Yeah, you're not going to get running backs who are going to go 2,000 yards in a season or even barely 1,200 yards. Just I think the closest we got was Adrian Peterson. Uh, as as of like recent years, yeah, and yeah. you know now I, I don't I don't know. 
it's just it's just a different game, you know. And uh, but it but it's good. It's on it's on Amazon Prime, and uh, I watched it. It's called Bye Bye Barry. Um, pretty well done documentary. And uh, man, I feel I'm like I'm, something's escaping me that I fucking watch. I do this all the time. I'm like, man, I know I watched something. I don't remember. Monarch. Well, I, yeah, I'm getting to that in a minute. Okay, because I, I, I watched the first one, so I can... slow down there. Yeah, slow down there because I want to. I have a reason I'm leading into that because I know oh. you saw something else that we're going to briefly discuss. But uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to think that I watch any more Scott Pilgrim. I haven't. I think I tried to sit down and watch episode six. I only have three episodes left, and I think I watched like 15 minutes of it and then got distracted. And I think I need to finish that because um, I want to finish that that anime because it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, man. Um, well, I did the, the kids watched Blue Beetle, so I kind of rewatched some of that, and uh, I had a hard time watching it the second time. I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, I've been there, done that. I enjoyed it the first time, and then I, but the second time, I'm like, yeah, I don't really need to watch this again, you know. Exactly. But the, the boys are watching it, and I was like, yeah, you know, and I tried to watch some of it with them and just couldn't really, uh, couldn't really get into it, you know, like, yeah. and um, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yes, yeah, so I did, um. I did watch the first episode of Monarch, the Legacy of Monsters, which is a the Godzilla TV show that takes place in the same universe as the uh, current incarnation of American Godzilla films put out by Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures. And um, I texted Long asking why it's on Apple TV because he's our resident Godzilla expert. And uh, he was like, oh, it, the deal happened before Warner Brothers sold off Legendary. Um, and before max was a thing, this deal was made a couple years ago before they were going to have exclusive deals with max. And then of course the strikes hit and everything else. And so the show had already been planned for Apple TV. So I thought it was weird. Why Warner Brothers wouldn't have this on their own streaming service on max. And that was why it was a deal they had made prior to, to max's launch and all that stuff. Oh, that Um, makes sense. So it's on Apple TV and, uh, I watched the first episode and I've been trying so hard to get sit down and go watch episodes two and three because episode four comes out tomorrow. Cause um, you know, it's a lot of setup in the first episode, but like it's really intriguing, good setup. I like what it's done so far. Um, I wonder how much budget wise, how much monster action they're going to have in this, even though they had quite a bit in the first episode, but it's all retconned monster action. We don't see Godzilla currently. Um, it's kind of retconned to what happened in the Godzilla movie we just covered a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. where they introduced the uh, the female uh, character from it and that she was in San Francisco during the attacks. Um, so they kind of retconned some of that. And the story goes back and forth and tells, looks like the beginnings of Monarch in the 1950s, was it, or 60s? Maybe 60s uh, or 70s around there. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. And the, with, with a young... Kurt Russell's son playing a young version of himself, Wyatt Russell. And then Kurt Russell, I guess, is going to appear in the second episode because he does appear in the first episode. Um, and he'll play the older version of his same self, his son plays. And uh, so there's kind of a back and forth story between 2014, 15, right after the Battle of San Francisco and the creations of Monarch. Um, and we'll see how it all comes together. But so far, I, I like it. Um, you know, I mean, I'm always down for some good monster action. Uh, in fact, by the time y'all hear this podcast, I will have gone to see Godzilla minus one. Um, and we're going to have a full report next week. And I think long, the plan is for our Godzilla expert long to join us next week Yeah, and talk it. And uh, I know you saw it already. So you're going to give a very brief review yeah. um, and you're going to save going into it next week on the show when we, when I've seen it and long has been joined us. But uh, so I'll leave that into you and what's your thoughts on Monarch are so far. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Monarch is is interesting. It's not one of these uh, prequel or um, expansion series where it's uh, you know trying to play. I feel like a lot of these just try and play off of the movie they're based off of, and they don't uh, they don't do a good job of executing what they were set out to do. But this one, um, I feel like is is doing a good job. I feel it complements the movie. Yeah, yeah, except. Uh, I, I, not to interrupt you, but like, um, yeah. where they where she's in Tokyo and they have the Godzilla alarms and they all go into the bunker, like so. This is supposed to take place before King of the Monsters, right? Mm-hmm. So, but like, so in King of the Monsters, it made it sound like Godzilla had been dormant for a couple of years, right? And he comes back to help them fight Rodon and all the other monsters. Mm-hmm. So, why the alarms? Hopefully, they explain that at some point because it's like, wait, is this a thing? Godzilla shows up and kill and destroys buildings. Yeah, that part that part had me a little confused. Yeah, that's there's some things that are kind of like, okay, you know, this doesn't make sense. But I feel like the acting and the story and and um, the action, you know, the yeah, at the end of episode one, of, uh, especially uh, is is good. And uh, I think uh, if you haven't started watching it or haven't thought about watching it, um, definitely at least watch the first episode. See what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, it sets some some stuff up and. Um, there's definitely some good action in the first episode. Even it's not all yeah. talk. I had read something where someone said, "Well, why, the Ken Watanabe's character? Why wasn't he her father?" And someone made a point that he was a scientist and he was a good man. He would not have estranged himself from his family. He just wasn't yeah. that type of man. So it makes sense for him not to be her father because it does. He, he never struck you as that type of a man that would have estranged himself from his family. So it didn't make sense for him to be her father. You know. Um, I would have been just, yeah, would have been kind of out of character. Yeah. At the expense of, you know, just trying to tie it in more. Tie it together. Yeah, exactly. It it doesn't take the low hanging fruit and and do that. But yeah, um, I need to watch episode two and three. That way I can get caught up. But uh, yeah, that's on my plate for uh, probably, probably next week. (coughs) Next week I'll get caught up. Yeah. So you went, you were able, I mean, I don't know how you do this sometimes, squeeze movies in during the week. And so I just, I just can't fucking do it, man. Um, with work and feeding the kids and all that. But I know you have the wife hack too. The wife hack. Leave, you yeah, can man. leave it home and hey, wife you pick dinner. I'm going to see a fucking movie. It's not yep. fair, man. And uh, <laughs> so I know you went and saw Godzilla minus one tonight and um, I'm going to see it Saturday. And so we're going to have a full on review next week. Um, but initial brief thoughts. Yeah. So uh, initial brief thoughts, I think. The hype about it is well warranted. I I say buy into it. Um, also, I feel like this is a complete Godzilla movie, uh, in in the way that a lot of these Godzilla films that I've seen, it's either like really really good monster action and monster stuff, but like the human side is like so ignored that and. You know, neglected that it doesn't make it's hard sense. Hard to find that good mix. Yeah, and you, or it vice versa. Too much human mm-hmm. stuff, not enough monster. I feel like this is like, wow. You know, both of them really good. Uh, it's hard to do both. Uh, and yeah, man, Godzilla's great. Uh, the humans are great. Go see it. Um, it's worth it. And then the translation is. Felt like the the way it's translated. Um, it doesn't go by too fast. It's not like the letters aren't, you know, too tiny. Yeah. I feel like it's easy to, you know, follow along. 
Um, and it's, and it's easy to understand and, and the themes are great and, uh, they will, um, they will get you thinking and they will keep you engaged with the film. So go see it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, cool, man. Did you check anything else out this week? Uh, no, other, other than Godzilla, uh, I don't, yeah. Godzilla and Monarch and then rewatching Blue Beetle, that was it. Sat on your ass this week, man. I did, man. Sorry, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to look real quick. I, I feel like I watched uh, something else. My my brain is just 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 escaping me. Maybe I didn't, man. I tried to watch. Oh, I did try to watch that. TV miniseries, The Fall in the, of the House of Usher, that's getting rave reviews on Netflix, and not my thing. I got about 15. Mark Hamill's in it, but I got about 15 minutes into it. I'm like, this is boring. Really? Mark <laughs> Hamill's in it? Yeah. And uh, I was like, nah, I couldn't get into it. Just not my just not my thing. Yeah. So, But yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit of news, man. Um, um, I'm going to save the news that hit today for last because because um, it was awesome. Um, but Tim Burton released a photo, I guess, and I Beetlejuice 2 is it's a thing, it's production's done, it's still coming out in 2024. Um, I guess it only had like two or three days left to shoot when the strikes hit, so they did their two or three days. And, um, it's weird, Jenna Ortega's in it, and uh, which is feels like they're gonna try to make her the new goth girl, I guess, because she was Wednesday yeah. Adams and, and everything. And, um, so you know, um, Man, you know, Beetlejuice is one of those things that, like, you know, we did on the podcast, you know, a few years back, and and uh, I, I just, I just don't love it, man. It's, it's okay, you know. I don't need a sequel. Yeah, we don't. Not of that film. Yeah, it's like it's one of those legacy sequels. It's just like, and does and Tim Burton. The only thing I can say about it is Tim Burton and Michael Keaton both obviously don't need to do this for their career. So I guess no. they're doing it for fun, you know, something, you know. So with them, maybe hey, they want to do it. They want to have fun doing it cool you know because neither one need to do it you know um so we'll see man uh how this turns out and uh i don't know when it's due i guess later in 2024 i believe um eli ross thanksgiving which um actually got better reviews than a lot of people said um uh, eli roth announced uh today or yesterday that he is going to make a thanksgiving too oh, um crap. it'll be out it'll be out in two years uh <laughs> Um, so he said, he said he had a lot of fun making it one of the more fun movies he did in his career. And, uh, so he wants to, he has some ideas for a second one and, and, uh, you know, he had talked about, you know, he, he had done sequels to like hostile in the past and he felt like, you know, sequels weren't really always the best idea, but he says he has a good idea for this one and, uh, and he thinks he'll, he can make it work. So, um, uh, if you enjoyed Thanksgiving one, you'll get Thanksgiving two more Turkey. I don't know. More turkey, <laughs> and um, this uh, you know, next August, man, th this is the thing too. Where there's gonna be a lot of Alien next year. We have FX's Alien TV series is still happening, yeah, um, which is gonna have Timothy Oliphant in it now, and uh, this Alien Romulus movie is still happening too, um, and it's coming out next August. And uh, Romulus, one of the actresses that's in it, uh, revealed that it takes place between Alien and Aliens. But apparently it's not really a sequel to Alien. It's it's like a counter event kind of going on in the same time frame at the same time. 
because uh, she even confirmed that the aliens kind of look like they did in James Cameron's Aliens. They're that style of xenomorphs, uh, which is sounds like a cool idea, but yet it has not related to Ripley's character or anything like that. It's like a new thing. Um, but I also sometimes like wonder, are they trying to throw us off the grid a little bit and maybe Ripley's yeah. in this thing? But at the same time, if it takes place between alien aliens, it wouldn't make sense for Ripley to be in it since she's clearly in cryo sleep before when aliens start, you know. Um, so we'll see. But uh but man, you know, it's uh if you're an alien fan, it seems like it's gonna be a good year, you know. Um I'm a fan of the franchise, I've always loved it. I just think it's to me the alien franchise is a lot like the Terminator franchise. There's some good stuff and there's some missteps. You know, in exactly uh, Alien Resurrection was, you know, even though people are coming around Alien Resurrection now, I always felt like it was a misstep. Uh, I like Prometheus, but Covenant was kind of eh. Covenant was just confusing. I was like, I wasn't sure what was going on through half the fucking movie. Yeah, you know, I still I've watched it like twice, and I'm still not sure what the android David was doing. Like, was he creating an alien? Was he? I'm like, I don't know. That whole thing was really kind of bizarre. Um. You that's know, what I make, thought he was doing. I thought he was creating one. Yeah, they make it sound like the engineers created aliens, but then they, in Prometheus anyway, and then they throw you for a loop in Covenant, and it's like, oh, wait, no, the engineers didn't do it. David created them. It's like, wait, you know, it's, it was weird. You know, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, Great-looking films, Alien, Covenant, and Prometheus. We really yeah. started directing them, and the films look great, but both films are kind of like, yeah. You know, and then, of course, we have the classics of Alien and Aliens. Uh so we'll see what Alien Romulus uh, does, even though Romulus sounds like a fucking Star Trek movie, you know. But, Romulan. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, but man, this trailer, uh, you know, there's a the movie cinema conventions going on this weekend. Um, a lot of people expect a few trailers this weekend. Uh, I strongly believe that the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong is going to hit some point this weekend. Um, and a few other trailers, but... Uh, they released a trailer today for Furiosa, a Mad Max saga, which is uh, the long in the works. Uh, I guess you can't follow, call it a follow-up to Fury Road because it's a prequel to Mad Max Fury Road, telling yeah. the story of a young Furiosa, which was played by, uh, why is her name escaping me? Ann Taylor-Joy? No, oh, that's well, who's playing her in this Charlie Theron. Charlie, Charlie Theron, who played her in the Mad Max Fury Road movie. So this is a prequel starring Ann Taylor-Joy, um, who I guess is the new hot girl the moment i really don't know who she is to be honest um princess peach well yeah i knew she did yeah. the voice but i mean overall i just don't you know last know. night in soho um yeah. so man but uh you know it's from george miller uh who had had plans for two mad max films at one point one was this film and one was called the wasteland which is a direct sequel to fury road and uh george says he still wants to do the wasteland um in fact he hopes to he can do it soon and it might be his final film because you know he wants to retire he is older so yeah. I hope the wasteland gets made um, because I really want to see one more Mad Max film with Tom Hardy. But nonetheless, Fur Furiosa um, looks freaking incredible. I mean, the trailer hit today. Uh, it looks exactly what we'd expect from a George Miller follow-up to Mad Max Fury Road. Um, Chris Hemsworth is in the film too. Uh, and uh, it, it just, I watched the trailer a couple times. It's, it's visually stunning, outstanding looking, uh, it just, it looks, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the term like lightning in the bottle twice, but I'm hoping that uh, that's what uh, George Miller is able to do. I hope so. And and it looks like it, it could be 
Uh, well, I don't, I don't know if it'll be, you know, right there on par with, with Fury Road. That's a big, it's a hard follow up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, those are big shoes to fill. Um, but I know it's going to be good. Um, and, and we'll be entertained. Uh, it looks pretty epic. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, so, you know, can't wait, man. Um, I didn't look when the release date is. I think it's like in May, I believe. It's 2024. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, think I want to say May it's a Memorial June. Day weekend release, yeah. if I remember right. So oh, that's um, going to be cool. Cool shit, man. How people are going to be dressing at, uh, at Comic Con now. Yeah. <laughs> War George, Boy. Miller, George yeah. Miller's had an interesting career. You know, he's did the Mad Max films, and the, but he also did Babe Picking the City, you know. So, uh, <laughs> very, very versatile director. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a visionary. Um, that's all the news, man. Um, you know, for this week. So, but if you haven't checked out the Furiosa trailer, definitely do so if you're a fan of the Mad Max series. So, uh, let's get into today's feature film, man. Um, this is a movie that uh, James Cameron started trying to adapt to the screen as far back as like '92, '93. Uh, but then he started writing Avatar films, and well. If you believe Cameron, he said he had the idea for Avatar as early as 93, but we know the first drafts for Avatar were shortly after Titanic came out in early 2000. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, Avatar got made in 2008. And uh, so he had Battle Battle Angel on his back burner for many years. His, his you know, writing a script for it based on the manga. Um, there was an anime of Battle Angel that was slightly well-received, I guess, but very difficult to find now. Yeah, um, you either it's not one of those animes that's like you know Yu Yu Hakusho or right. Witch Hunter Robin where you're like, oh, I heard about it, but I haven't checked it out. You either knew about it or you didn't. It's a very it's kind of an esoteric uh, anime. Yeah. Um, so not a whole lot of people knew about it, which is kind of good because I think that's how these movies you know worked a little bit better. Right. Um, but the manga is extremely popular. The initial version was nine volumes, um, which is yep. what the movies, this movie is based on the first three volumes. And then there was a follow-up manga years later. I think there's been three chapters, I think, total now in the manga, about 27 volumes or so, yeah. if I remember right. And uh, But so Cameron, you know, was uh, was talking to um, various directors, and I guess he was sitting down talking to Robert Rodriguez, and, Robert, and he told Robert Rodriguez, hey, if you can finish the script um, and, 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 you know, my studio will help finance it, we'll get it made. It's basically how this came about. And Robert Rodriguez took the initial script, which was really long. The movie would have been four hours. And he and he toned it down to a, a movie that works. And James Cameron liked the script and, uh, and realized that the script uh, cut some of the things out. Because basically this tells, like I said, the first three volumes or so of the story. Yeah. And then uh, so it's set up to if there's a trilogy. And, uh, and, and he told Robert Rodriguez to run with it. And, um, and so eventually the movie got made and that's a battle, uh, Alita battle angel, um, which was, uh, jokingly originally called battle angel Alita. And, uh, the producer was like, no, James Cameron only makes movies that start with A's or T's Terminator, Titanic aliens. <laughs> you have to call it Alita. So that's really how the title came about is kind of an inside joke. Um, and, uh, they got the great Christoph Waltz involved with this, um, Marshala Ali playing in um, Jennifer Conley. Got a, got a lot of great actresses involved in this and a relatively n- newcomer to come in and play Alita. And, uh, and and they put together a film that is quite possibly, uh, I was really thinking about this when I was watching it the other day, um, the best live action adaption of a manga anime, I think, so far. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and, and this is a really solid film. And, and to tell the story in the future after um, a massive war uh, between the urn, urn, yep. urn of Mars um, and Earth, they call it, I guess we were living in the skies. We had built sky cities because the Earth is overpopulated is what I kind of gather from it. Mm -hmm. um, and they attack our sky cities and a lot of them fall out of the sky, destroying much of the planet. Um, only one Sky City remains, which has become like the Mecca to escape to. Um, and and the, the crazy thing about this is there's a ton going on in this movie. I mean, there's cyborgs. There's the, there's this whole living world that is not like anything you've ever seen before. It's not even apocalyptic. It's just super futuristic. I mean, uh, more futuristic than movies like RoboCop or, or any other futuristic, even the fifth element, just yeah. more futuristic than any movies you've probably ever seen. And, uh, it's crazy watching this to think that this movie was made for like 190 million because I know a lot of movies are expensive, but holy shit, Alita looks super expensive on screen. Like this looks like a $400 million movie. I mean, that's just how much is going on in the backgrounds and the graphics and just the way the screen portrays things. Well, it was said that in just one of her eyes, Alita's eyes it took more CGI than the whole character of Gollum and Lord of the Rings. I believe it. Um, so uh, give this movie a, a quick summary, man. I kind of gave the background of the movie about the war and all yeah. that. And, you know, like you said, um, and uh, Dr. Ito uh, finds uh, Alita's uh, head and, you know, finds that she's still alive, um, puts her in his uh, dead daughter's uh, body that he was going to have for her because his daughter was her cyborg body. <laughs> yeah. Cyborg body. Yeah, cyborg, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Cyborg body. Because uh, his daughter was paraplegic. And, you know, tragically killed, which you find out later, Alita starts to wonder who she is. And uh, through combat, um, whilst, you know, protecting her uh, would-be father in Dr. Ito, uh, as he was hunting down a, a bounty, he is a hunter-killer. There's a sect of hunter-killers, are basically bounty hunters. And uh, she unlocks some of her past and her fighting style while she is protecting him while he is executing one of his bounties. Uh, and so she becomes a hunter killer um, and she wants to find out more about herself. And she, you know, gets into this whole underworld. Uh, Marshala Ali is uh, basically runs the games, this robo ball game that is introduced. Uh, and that's the only way to get up to the top, to, to the floating city. The Sky City is uh, is that. And he is being controlled by uh, a man called Nova, who's played by uh, Edward Norton. And a very, not not very utilized, very well. No, well, in, he, an uncredited Edward Norton. Yeah. He kind of did this as a, uh, he, he wanted to do uncredited. He goes, you know, I want to do this movie, but I, I don't want to take anything away from the other actors in the movie. Yeah. He did it on purpose. And he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. He, he's only re revealed at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, so she realizes that he is the enemy. Um, and then he realizes that she, one of her own kind is still alive. She's actually 300 years old, turns out in this journey to find out who she is and, and what her purpose is. And, you know, she is connected with a, a urn technology body, um, after her body is destroyed when she fights, uh, the Rorschach actors, uh, big old badass mech, um, and uh, she joins a, a rollerball competition um, to which she has to 
per, you know, really, really vacate because Nova's hired some people to uh, take out her human boyfriend um, who kind of looks like, yeah, and her, but he wants to get at her boyfriend because he wants to like crush her. This, the, uh, uh, you know, the guy played uh, Ajax from, from yeah. Deadpool. Uh, I forget his name. Yeah, I can't think of his Ed's name. Ed's Screen. Yeah, something like that. He's, he's a pan, but uh, he's a fully cy- cybernetic uh, mm-hmm. except for his face. He's kind of a dick like he is in a lot of these, you know, movies. It's hard to play in. a dick. Yeah. In the original manga, uh, her, you know, he kills the boyfriend and she finds him, but his head's still intact. So she keeps him alive by putting him in a cyborg body and he loses it. He can't handle being in a cyborg body. So he kills himself in this movie. They make it more romantic, um, which is fine because, you know, like I said, esoteric anime, you don't have a whole lot of fans that are like, well, you know, that's not how it happened. But after losing him, uh, you know, she was able to get Ido to, (coughs) sorry, to uh, put him in a robot body. And um, she goes and, uh, Man, where did she go? She goes to confront um, Marshal Ali's character. Yeah. I can't think of his name right now. His yeah, actual yeah. character's name. But uh, Nova talks to him through him, and uh, she shows how much of a badass she is. Takes out um, Grusheka. Grusheka is the Rorschach actor. Vector is Ali's character. Yeah, Vector. And she takes out Vector. And Vector you know, says, Hey, you know, just cause I can't get to you. doesn't mean I can't get to somebody else. And right. he sends Centuri centurions to get her boyfriend. And he's trying to walk all the way up the cable tunnel to uh, the sky city. When he sends out a defense loop, fucking shreds her boyfriend mm-hmm. and she loses him, And she embraces her combatness and becomes a rollerball player. And hopefully uh, we get a sequel where we see that she becomes a champion. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, first off, this movie uh, is a um, amalgam of all kinds of things. We grew up reading and watching and, and just futurism, cyborgs, uh, super robots, super soldiers. And so the, therefore it oozes coolness, uh, you know, um, Cause this is a, a freaking really cool movie. Um, cyber dogs, dude. Yeah. That's the weird cyber part, arms. These directors always have their friends that appear in movies. And Robert Rodriguez is friends with Jeff Fahey. So he puts Jeff Fahey in this as the dog guy yeah. and for a brief moment. It kind of takes me out of the movie. I'm like, like all the actors in this movie are super young, except for Christoph Waltz. And then Jeff Fahey's old ass appears. And it's just like, why is he in this movie? You know? <laughs> oh, that's right. He's friends with Robert Rodriguez. Oh, but it's cool. You know, this part is cool. Um, and uh, there's just, and that's what I like about this movie. Just the look of it, man. It's like, if I was, if I'm making futuristic movies, every futuristic movie would look like this, you know, yeah. just, just full of futurism and badassness, And, uh, and, and, I think that's why they took the manga and they put it on screen and it shows. And this is like, if they ever make an Akira live action movie, it better look like this. This Dude, is, if yeah, you're going to make Akira, it's got to look this good. Yeah. You have your, your slums, you have your nicer part of town. Um, you've got, 
you know, friggin' robots, you've got mm-hmm. cyborgs, you've got, you know, half half cyborg, half human, you know, you got all kinds yeah. of stuff. It's crazy, and, this world that they built. And with all this craziness going, Christoph Waltz's character of, of Dr. Ito really brings a humanism to it because he's, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. His, yeah. his meaning to write, uh, we find out he's a hunter killer, but he's doing it because he believes that he's doing to, to fund his, his, his business and his projects and things like that. And yeah, so it's kind of it's trying to help people a bit of nobility to him, even if it maybe be frowned upon, I guess. Um, and, and he's ultimately trying to make up for what happened to his daughter. You know, yeah. he's trying to help people the best he can. Um, cause he seems to have some guilt from that, you know? And, um, and, and he's Crystal Watts is always so good on screen and he's really good in this. And, and then when I'm watching this, I'm thinking how much green screen these actors are, are working against, but they all really give good performances and strange was Robert Rodriguez as a director is a guy who's made, you know, the Desperado films and the spy kid films. And he's not always known for, um, maybe he's known for quick films. He films them quickly, quick editing. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the few only film he's ever done that he didn't edit himself. Um, and I can't help but think it helps Rodriguez to have other people help him because this might be the most complete movie he's made. <laughs> um, and I enjoy Desperado once upon a time Hollywood. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy the movies he's made, Machete and stuff, but this movie you can it's tell just, it's way different, yeah, you know, in a good way. In, in a good way, it still has Robert Rodriguez signatures to it, don't get me wrong, with his uh his directing style and things like that. But it's it's just to have more people help him make the film made it a better movie. Mm-hmm. And then Alita, I feel like Alita is the workhorse in this film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the film's about her. She carries this film. One, they use a lot of tech techniques, the old Disney uh, and animation anime technique. But yet the young actress, that, but yet the young actress who played her, even with all the CGI on her, she it comes up her performance still comes across on the screen very well. Yeah. Well, her character, she literally starts from the garbage. She mm-hmm. is a castaway. So she starts at the bottom and you want her to do well. You're rooting for her. She saves a little dog, kind of like Aladdin, you know, when he jumps in front of the the chariot and saves the little kid, you know, so they're, um, you know, they're making her have all these redeemable qualities and Mm -hmm. these good qualities. And, you know, she's not, you don't view her as a weapon, really. She is a weapon. Not till late in the movie. Yeah. You're like, wow, you know, she's, she's a good person even though she's a cyborg she's got this you know very very human attitude and you know you you root for her the whole time so uh she kind of keeps you engaged in the movie and uh, i feel like she's what makes it obviously the most enjoyable as it should as she should Mm -hmm. because the movie's got her name in it she got she got to yeah well i like that too there's a sweet innocence about her like you say you Mm -hmm. watch her grow up in the film and what i like too is um this movie does a lot like there she forms a relationship with hugo and hugo mm-hmm. doesn't care that she's a cyborg but yet he falls in love with her and she falls in love with him and they the movie does a good job by not they don't overplay it it simply is what it is yeah and you buy into their relationship as a viewer because of the way they do develop their two characters you know and, and they do a good job of that because this movie could have easily done the thing that they do in sci-fi sometimes or Oh, is it okay to, you know, 
for a robot or a part robot to love a human and all this. And, and, and in this movie, it doesn't matter. It just is what it is, you know, because exactly. Alita herself doesn't know better. You know, she just knows what she knows and she cares for Hugo. And she is upset when she finds out that Hugo had been scrapping cyborg parts and stuff. But even though she's upset with him, she still tries to save him yep. because she that's love. Yeah, man. And she even says, I'll give you my heart. I'll give you anything. Yeah. Here's my heart. And she holds it out. And he's like, put it back. Yeah. Because he knows, you know, he's he he's been doing some bad stuff. But, you know, he's got, you know, redeemable this qualities. Her. Yeah, he's got redeemable qualities. And uh, I don't think he ever wanted to do that. He just, it was just out of, you know, a necessity. Trying to survive. And like Dr. Ito said, you know, before, this place turns people into, you know, t- turns people bad sometimes. Uh, he, he said something along that lines, like this place changes people. Right. And uh, you see that it changed Dr. Ito. It changed mm. Hugo too. Yeah. And, uh, the movie is just, um, it's got so much cool stuff in it. Like, I love all this, the tech of it, the weapons, the uh, the cyborgs. Um, it never, the CGI is actually pretty good. Um, you know, there's a few parts that may be a little bit cartoonish looking, but I think overall um, it's pretty solid considering the uh, amount of work is in this film. Yeah. You, know, you might have a couple of parts that uh, might falter a, a little bit. Um my biggest hope is that we do get a sequel. Robert Rodriguez and James Cameron both said that the that they they plan to. You know, because this movie, remarkably, this movie wasn't a huge, huge hit in the US, but worldwide it made almost 500 million. It was yeah. very successful overseas. Overseas is what saved this thing and made it helped it make double plus mm-hmm. its budget. And it did do well. You know, I know physical media now, Blu-ray sales are down because everything's streaming. But this movie hit at the right time and Blu-rays were still selling well. And it did very well sales-wise. Yeah. It, it, it rode the charts. Home it video. was very it did very well in home video. It was a movie that people kind of discovered late. Because this movie also had a weird release. It came out, I believe, in February uh, in the US, you know, which isn't the biggest time of the year for films unless no. it's a major, major, you know, franchise or blockbuster that, you know, that's a Marvel film, something like that. So this movie kind of had an re- odd release window. Cause if you remember right, this movie was supposed to be out the previous summer. And it kept get it got delayed a couple of times because they were fixing some of the CGI and doing things. So it kind of got thrown in that February release and uh, maybe wasn't the best time for it. And but it found its audience. And um, and I really hope that Robert Rodriguez and James Cameron are able to uh, to make a sequel. Yeah, who who knows when that movie's coming? But hopefully, right. it's uh, it's something that's in the works or at least being talked about. Maybe they're they're writing it. Yeah, I don't know. But the, the cool thing about this is up. too. Is James Cameron, as much as you know, he's named by producer, he actually was pretty involved with the set from what I read. That he was looking at dailies every day. He was calling Robert Rodriguez. He did visit the set a couple of times a lot. This is all filmed in our backyard, too. A majority of this is all filmed in Austin. When they walk through the park to visit the urn ship, that's that park in Austin all that goes along the river there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Z- uh, close to Zilker Travis Well or? Yeah. Uh, it's not Zilker Park, but yeah, it's like Travis Wells Park yeah. or something like that. Um, so this is all filmed in the Austin area on Robert Rodriguez's studio there. And so Cameron was very involved with this film because he wanted to make sure that it was done right too, because it was a passion project to his for many years. And, uh, so, um, you know, we can hope the sequel gets made. Uh, you know, this is a, it's, it's a damn good film. And, uh, you know, the last few weeks we've done a couple of movies that we've rewatched like V for Vendetta. And I knew the Hurt Locker was good. And now this one that 
I've rewatched them. They're they're better than I even remember them then. You know, V for Vendetta, even Elite is better than I remembered a couple years ago. I'm like, man, this is a really good fucking movie. Yeah, man. Um, you know, and and it's not necessarily a movie for everybody. Live action, anime, manga might not be your thing, but uh, if you appreciate just really kick ass sci fi that doesn't over explain everything to you, it just lets this world breathe and live, and you just live in it for two hours. Then, man, it's a great science fiction movie. And I really, I really like movies like that that just throw you into the world and don't over explain it. Exactly, like like the Erm technology. We don't know that much about the Erm. We just right. know okay, it's it's really good tech, and you that's that's all you need to know. Yeah, I that's think it. that's makes great science fiction. Is sometimes you try too hard to explain stuff, and it just loses the viewer. You're like, okay, just I don't care. Just you know, um, yeah. sometimes. To, don't take your audience for granted. Take your audience that they're smart and they can figure out or make their own conclusions. And this is one of those kind of science fiction movies. Um, but Alita Battle Angel is is um, it's freaking badass, man. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it. She's badass. Mm -hmm. um, she's a warrior. She's a lover. She's a fighter. She's all of it. Um, and she's well designed. Yeah, yeah. It's just a cool film. Um, but it, it, we it enjoyed it. And, um, so next week, man, uh, that's all we got to say about Alita, I think. Yeah, that's, um, that's definitely watching it or seeing it. Um, next week, man, we are going to um, be kind of like Alita and go back to our innocence of our childhoods uh, as we kick off a, a, um, a streak of uh, three films to end the year, you know. Uh, um, and we don't do uh, kid films too often. Um, but every now and then in this film with it being the Christmas season um, children looking forward to the Christmas morning and seeing the new toys they are going to get and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we thought we'd go back and uh, talk what is a, one of the biggest modern classics of all time to, to, to be fair, that yeah. sp has spawned a franchise of its own with uh, three sequels. And now there's some talk that there might be a fifth one coming. Um, but that wow. is, we're going to go back and talk the original, movie that kicked off Pixar Studios, and that is Toy Story. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code Red, repeat. We are at Code Red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents... Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah. ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. Ah! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw. Fuck me again. I don't like confrontations. Buzz, look an alien. Where? You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. <laughs> oh, what? What? You can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 The adventure takes off when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! Yeah, and, uh, man. You, uh, this, Sid. I mean, it's it's a great movie, man. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's it. 
I, I might like three better. I think three might be my favorite of them, but but this yeah, is the one good. that kicked it off. I mean, this is the one that started a phenomenon, you know, with Buzz and Woody toys being sold everywhere. Um, you know, this is one of those movies that our grandparents, you know, know who Buzz and Woody are. It's just yes. one of those films that's cross generations. I mean, you think this came out in 1995. I mean, we were, I was in high school. You were, you know, 10, 12 years old. Um, and now we have children that have watched these movies. I mean, that's, it's a generational film. Um, and that, that's the great thing about it. And it'll be fun to watch and talk about next week. And I think Long is going to join us. And we're going to go full into Godzilla minus one also. Um, and uh, start kicking off um, our, our end of the year films as we get get to the last week of the year. We're going to give our top five movies of the year and some other things as we get closer to the, to the end of the 2023. Yeah, man. And very well voice acted. You got, oh, yeah. got a great cast. Uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Tim Allen, uh, Arlie Ernie, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the guy from uh, Princess Bride. Where you know the we tried to poison, uh, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I can't think of the actor's name. I know you're talking about. He voices Rex. Yeah. But yeah, and a a lot of like character actors that do some of these other voices. Yeah, the uh, mailman from Cheers and some other guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'll be a good one next week on the show. But uh, until then, the uh, the RebelRadioPodcast dot com for all your Rebel Radio needs as always, and uh, we do appreciate you for listening each and every week and uh until next time continue to be safe and um this has been mark this has been mad remember as always just go there and do it do it